0: This is Rob Scott and you're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: What a double-edged weapon the last two games have been. Slip and his pen certainly aren't mightier than the sword. After singing the blues with a wonderful historic win against Chelsea at home, we had two days to prepare against one of the best teams in the country, unbeaten at home. A good effort which came crashing down with more penalty woes and a sucker punch in the final minutes to lose the game. Sadly, our blues singing became out of tune. Nonetheless, we stand tall at 6th and still have the sense to see what a terrific time it is to be a cottager. With us to talk about everything our messes Matt Statoata and Dylan Chavass, with me, J-Mac, on your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Right, folks. Let's get your brief opening thoughts on this busy week as a whole, and then we'll start quickly from the beginning. I guess so. Stato and Dylan uh, was always
0: going to be before the game, but you know, still sixth, still sixth. We're still going strong, and I know some people might be really disappointed with what happened on Sunday and the nature of how it happened. But you know, at the end of the day, we played 20 games, we won 31 points. We are far exceeding expectations. We've just beaten Chelsea. There's no negativity here at all. It is all positive vibes at the moment, despite the result on Sunday. It's just pure, pure positivity at the moment.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. To be honest with you, we lost yesterday, and that was unfortunate. But we didn't. It's not like we got turned over or humbled by what is a very strong Newcastle side. And on Thursday, we did obviously beat the uh, the noisy neighbours for the first time in what was it, 17 years? So yeah, really can't complain. Uh, what a time to be a Fulham fan.
1: Well, nearly, yeah, 16 years of that, nearly 17, like you said. I mean, qu- quick thoughts. I mean, we'll get, we'll get on to Newcastle. We have to talk about the Chelsea result. We didn't do a pod and it's historic. So, like, you know, let's get our thoughts on that achievement. I mean, how would you say, Stato, this compares to the last one in 2006, <laughs> so long ago, but in terms of the performance and, I don't know, the, the statement it makes?
0: That's a really good question, because I don't want to say how old I was in 2006, but I was quite young, and I can't really remember it, to be honest. Um, no, I'm the same, mate, yeah. But, you know, here we are, we're doing a podcast, full and focused, talking about how we've just beaten Chelsea in the Premier League. You know, can it, can it get any better than this? I mean, well, we, we said that when we got promoted, we said that when... You know we we're going into the Christmas break in the top half of the Premier League, but these it just keeps getting better and better. And I think you know beating Chelsea it was almost that like cherry on the top of just how things good are going. You know, from the start of that game, we were the better team throughout. We dominated not once. You know, was I worried that you know we'd go behind or we wouldn't get something out of that game? And yes, we caught Chelsea at a good time because they are you know quite awful at the moment. But that doesn't take anything away from how good we are and how good we've been playing at the moment. And if we can keep this up, I, 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 I don't know what, if we're going to finish. I mean, the sky is literally the limit at the moment for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, still We were both there, and, like, you know, do, do you think there is a world where this can happen a bit more more frequently for us? And just, <laughs> I mean, just the the atmosphere was, I mean, you know, again, one of those really nice uh, experiences at the cottage where the Hamian was standing throughout the whole game.
2: Yeah, it was really special to be there on Thursday. Uh it could it happen more going forwards? I definitely think so to be honest. I mean, we only had I think prior to Thursday two wins against them since 1979. So, um obviously, you know, we've spent some of those times in different divisions, but um no, I think going forwards, the way we've been playing, there's no reason why it can't happen a bit more regularly. I thought we played Exceptionally well on Thursday, you know, regardless of uh, you know Chelsea's form or the state they find themselves in, I thought we were really impressive and good value for the three points. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't really remember much about the last time we beat them, partly due to the fact I was five, but um, I know that was also a, a one goal a one goal win, and Lewis Boamorte so was in the vicinity as well. So
1: I guess maybe he's the key to beating Chelsea. Maybe. I mean, it seems to me from the information that I've been gathering and just remembering it slightly is that when we beat Chelsea last time, it was more of an upset. And and when I I said at the beginning to Stato, I mean, what sort of statement does it make? I think it shows how we are here to stay uh, this season in particular, but also just how we are maybe entering a new type of phase with Fulham where we can do this more frequently, as you say, Dylan, but also just that... I don't know, it, it, it seems to me that actually Chelsea are They're going for a bad patch at the moment. I'm actually surprised that Graham Potter is still there. But I, I mean, I think he's probably got a few more games to prove that. But with the signings they're making, it seems like... I mean, the whole idea of him having his whole analytics team stolen by Brighton seems pointless now. They're just buying all these players, Felix and the Arsenal bloke, well, no longer for Arsenal. I mean, it, just, it just seems like it's it's only a matter of time before Potter... You know, it is out of there because of the amount of signings they're making and the ambition that obviously Top Bully's putting in. Anyway, I digress. I feel like this is more of a statement of how good we are compared to 2006. And I think we are just the, the stuff that Marcus Silva is doing, we say it every week, is phenomenal. And just, you know, the, the trinity of Carlos Vinicius. Andrea, uh, Andreas Pereira and Willian in that game was was phenomenal, wasn't it, Dylan? It just shows, goes shows to show that, that the the culture he's created and just the absolute brilliance of like how we all are gelling as a team.
2: Yeah, it's it's really been you know something special to um, to witness. And um, I guess Silver, you know, has oh, been simply like he's transformed the club. I think because when Parker left, we were in a right mess. You know, Mitrovic looked a bit on the way out. Um, and then obviously we had last season, where you know the 43 goals and everything, everything good that came with last season and the trophy at the end. And then this year, he seems to have taken you know players that were sort of bit part players at other Premier League clubs like um, Andreas, William, you know to to an extent, and he's just crafted them into completely I don't know different players and ones that seem to now be part of a well oiled Fulham machine, which is. Yeah, it's a bit crazy after so much sort of heartbreak and disappointment over the years of supporting Fulham. You know, we finally got a team that's towards the upper reaches of the table, and um, I don't really know what to do each match day now.
1: Hmm. I mean, I'm surprised quite, quite that's
0: that. I thought. That, yeah. I mean, go on. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Um, but you know, I just wanted to point out that you know, as a promoted team, our first objective is to always just stay up. And from that, you have a solid foundation to build on, you have a solid you know, base that from that you can then become a top half Premier League team, because you start up in the Premier League, you get that Premier League money, you can build on that. And then eventually you become that top half team, you can challenge for Europe and you can go from there. You've seen it with Leicester, you're seeing it with Brighton now. We've seemed to kind of skipped a lot of those steps and we seem to have just, <laughs> just gone straight into the top half aspect of it, which... It's quite phenomenal and incredible and it's exciting because if we can do this now with, I wouldn't say we've had limited resources this year, but we've been quite clever and smart with transfers because we've been quite constrained with, you know, with who we've been able to buy based on FFP. But we're staying up this year. We're going to be in the Premier League next year. What are we going to do next summer? What are we going to do next year? It's just really exciting and, you know, it's just so good to be a Fulham fan at the moment. Mm.
1: I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, the, the five wins on the bounce that that was, and also just uh, there was talks of a Marco Silva contract announcement. I'm kind of disappointed they didn't announce it the day after that, before the Newcastle game. It still hasn't been announced. Maybe maybe it's they're still being working on it, or maybe it's already been signed and they're just waiting for a, a win to actually uh, to announce it in good time. I'm not too sure. Um, so someone who was also brilliant in that game against Chelsea, we, you know, we've we had the podcasts out from all the outlets, we've had the articles, we know about Carlos Vinicius, we know about Pereira, we know about Willian, we know about how everyone was brilliant. Um, and but someone I want to actually just double down on who everyone else is saying is brilliant again, is Bernd Leno was just so good. So good this game. And I, I don't know, I mean, is he on a trajectory now, and I feel like I'm always asking this fucking question, but is he on a trajectory to you, Dylan, that he is probably but going to probably be better than, you know, Schwarzer, van der Sar, in that regard? Oh,
2: um, yeah, uh, yeah. it's tough to say, because, you know, all three of those are great keepers in their own regard, and, you know, picking one that's better than the other two is, like, an impossible job. You know, van der Sar got a big move off the back of his time at Fulham. Schwarzer, you know, he obviously didn't. But obviously he was—he didn't have age on his side. But he was a great keeper for us as well. Leno as well can be a great keeper as well if he keeps performing the way he is. You know he's been—he's very um, well. He's very consistent. He's reliable. Sort of everything you need from your keeper. You know Marco Silva doesn't have to worry if he's in goal. And neither do we as fans. You know he's—you know some games he's—he's won us points single-handedly. I thought like the Leicester game. He was just incredible. Chelsea he was really good yesterday as well no real faults you know the goal you can look at the defending but you know every keeper is going to concede goals at some stage but yeah he's been another great signing and how how we managed to pick him up for the price we did I think we only paid actually 3 million in August You know, plus a few add-ons to come whenever but even so he's worth all the money in the world at the moment to us
1: well, Leno is the bridge I'm trying to make because obviously he had a very good game against Newcastle from what I saw from the highlights. And I just want to also say that I think actually Mark Schwarzer had a very big move after us, technically, because I believe he won the Premier League with Jose Mourinho from the bench under Jose Mourinho. I'm almost oh. certain. That.
2: Yeah, I, know, I knew he played for Chelsea, but I don't count that as a big move.
1: No, no, but he did all right, didn't he? Um, yeah.
0: I think he have to start for um, the only Premier League player to win back-to-back Premier League titles with different clubs he played for Leicester that's and nuts. Chelsea but he just didn't play but he got a medal nonetheless like that's uh,
1: incredible I forgot about the Leicester as well that is
2: nuts oh no that's I nasty. said he didn't get a big, I didn't, I said he had, He didn't get a big move but he won back-to-back Premier
1: Leagues oh dear <laughs> well I mean it wasn't really he wasn't ever going to be a starter and I don't think anyone well maybe Chelsea but no one predicted what would happen with Leicester no way right let's go on to Newcastle I'm going back at you now Dylan I just want you to you made the journey up you've got the, the, the coach from the stadium and I just want to know what you know what it was like and just the the stadium the view the binoculars you must have had the fans the pure vibes as Wiggle was saying to me like the few days before that he was looking forward to just yeah and we sold out their away end with, with a train strike that's a top effort from your lot mate well our lot
2: yeah yeah no it was really really good yesterday despite the result I mean I had the alarm set for 3.45 on Sunday morning um, I left at 5 in the car up to the training ground with my neighbour and then we um got the bus it left just before six in the end Uh, luckily I had a double seat to myself so I could recline a bit and relax and probably stretch out whilst we're on the journey Nice. Uh, I think it took more or less seven hours going up and something similar on the way back Um, you know that's all part of the experience I guess of going to somewhere like Newcastle is getting there and getting back all in one piece Uh, well mind you my body feels today like quite a few pieces but uh, that's a different story
1: yeah fair enough um
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the stadium was really, really nice, actually. It, the sheer size of it, you know, took me by surprise, obviously going up all those steps at the start to the away end, which is quite high in the sky. Um, but yeah, it was a really nice stadium, like very, very big, uh, good views of the pitch. Um, it was it was a better view than I was expecting, to be honest, because I, I knew we were going to be, you know, far away from the pitch, but I was able to see everything perfectly, like a, almost from a bird's eye view, sort of. Yeah. And so it was really interesting, and it was just uh, all that all that it did sort of um, cause was a bit of confusion when Mitrovic's uh, what looked like a perfectly scored penalty was disallowed. Um, obviously, we now know why that was.
1: Yeah, I imagine from that view that was a bit of a nightmare as well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I had a, I have a video of us uh,
2: celebrating the penalty, him scoring, and then us celebrating. But obviously, that's never getting watched again. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, we'll we'll come on to the penalty episode shortly. I just want to quickly just ask Stato what he thinks about this. I mean, a lot of people, Stato, are saying that we offered nothing that game and probably deserved the loss. Uh, That's what Wigo said anyway, he was there. And I just want to know what the other side of the coin might be for that, mate. I mean, a lot of Newcastle fans online have given us a lot of praise. They said that's one of the best teams that's played them at St. James's Park. And, you know, some people are saying we defended well and, you know, Leno again and we kept our mirror on quiet I just would like to know what you think how we did
0: yeah so I think us saying we deserve to lose lose is a bit harsh on ourselves I think that we're going to Newcastle and we're playing away and Newcastle you know they're the third best team in the league at the moment they've been in incredible form themselves they're going to get European football of some sort so going to them their place was always going to be tough and Given those circumstances, I thought we kind of We performed well I thought, you know, we set up quite well Obviously we were going to be the team that Would have fewer possession uh, Would have, you know, less possession Than Newcastle as the away team. But that's not to say that they dominated us We had, you know, a few chances Not clear-cut chances But not quite half chances either There was a few little moments I mean, short of the stats say I think we had, like, one shot on target But that isn't an accurate stat for how the game went I don't think I think you know we did play well we defended well in Newcastle themselves they didn't have any clear-cut chances what I saw there was you know what I saw in the game was two good teams who are in form at the moment playing a good game of football and I think a draw would have been more than fair and it's just very unfortunate in to the in the nature of how we lost that game you know an 89th minute goal that was quite scrappy yeah quite unfortunate but you know that's nothing to be disheartened about from that performance I don't think
1: No I think we can hold our heads high I just think that there are some things that are kind of irking me slightly I mean I shouldn't get annoyed by this I mean I've just read an article about sort of certain timeout tactic from Eddie Howe and his his assistant Jason Tindall I don't know if you saw this uh, by any chance Dylan I mean it's apparently not many people did but there's this sort of dark arts vibe to Eddie Howe I don't know if it's because he's been did a bit of time off between jobs and he actually spent some some viewing of uh, Diego Simeone doing his uh, Atletico Madrid warm-ups or you know training sessions but there was a a moment where Eddie Howe is apparently getting Pope to basically watch the set piece as Newcastle have a corner from the other side and just before Fulham can break once they've recovered the ball Pope goes down with a fake injury um to to, to to stop us countering um, I don't know how I feel about that if it's true I mean it seems to be um, it, dark arts are the dark arts I mean there there were a lot of little annoying things like that and I, I think the referee had a bit of a shocker too would you say Dylan?
2: Yeah I thought the referee had quite a poor game I mean maybe just that he was a bit biased towards Newcastle and he seemed to like give them decisions that you know well because yeah, there was a moment
1: that... where you know long stuff just dives um from mm. pereira and it's just it's just a complete it's a really pathetic sort of excuse for a free kick yeah. being given yeah
2: i felt like we had to do more to get a decision if you know what i mean like um he was blowing for most newcastle things it seemed like and then we weren't really getting much um as for the you know the dark arts but i do remember them going for like a, a drinks break just before half time um and yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things. It's not really great. It's not a great look at nil nil. But I guess you know, if you need, if you need a way to buy buy some time, and it's not completely illegal, like there's nothing to stop you doing it. Um, then, um, what can well, you do? Another really? thing that
1: was mentioned was apparently Joel Linton, obviously, is a, a Portuguese speaker, who spent a lot of his time near the dugout mm, yeah. by <laughs> Louis Boermeester. Boermeester yeah. apparently was Well, that I mean, that you
2: can't you can't stop really. Um, yeah, um, and yeah I,
1: I, I don't mind it. I mean, it, it's, some people are gonna get annoyed by it. It's,
2: yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't really get annoyed by it because I think if I was, you know, in charge of a, a winning team or a team looking to win a game, I'd, I'd probably do something similar at some stage across a 38 game season. So I don't want to throw stones I, 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 in cast. i similar.
0: I'm quite similar in that I'm not too annoyed either because we probably do some stuff too, and I don't know what. I can't give any examples, but every team does a bit of shit housing into some form and you know yeah Newcastle did it, it's quite bad but we probably bound, do something as well as other teams
2: with every, with every team even if it's not on the pitch it's just like I don't know the away dressing room is tiny and the heat's blasted all the way up so you know you don't want to spend any time in there or things like that uh,
1: yeah well, every a, team are like way, little if, ways of it, rustling the other one hmm. up I guess Well, anyway, maybe it flatters us to know actually how dangerous we are on the counter now. And, you know, for Eddie, how to make that, do those sort of tactics against us actually shows how far we've come and how well we're playing. And, you know, away from home to boot. But anyway, I will... I can't believe I just said to boot. Anyway, so the referee, I just want to say, Dylan, really quickly. um, You mentioned... Well, we've mentioned the the sort of... How it was quite hard for us to get a decision from him. (laughs) Let's talk about the penalty now. So, the original penalty... That should have happened. That he didn't give Dan Burn on Pereira was the most blatant thing I've ever seen. But then, obviously, he gives the penalty for Bobby Reed, who actually stamps on a defender's leg, which is hilarious. And I just want, I just want your thoughts on that stat really quickly. I mean, I mean, the, the, well, at least we got the penalty in in the end, right?
0: Yeah. So I've always been in the camp that VAR isn't necessarily the problem. It's the people using it that are. It's these officials that they're the ones that make these decisions. They're the ones that review the footage. They see what we see, and they come to their conclusions. And they'll have all these weird bullshit uh, rules and regulations that, you know, back up that they were correct, but, you know, anyone watching the game, anyone who knows football knows that it isn't correct. And it's kind of getting to the point now where, look, I don't, I don't want to sack VAR off because... It's all kind of a relative because if we were to get rid of VAR, people would moan about something else. That people will just kind of having this magnified view of things now, which means people moan a lot more because they have this magnified view. And because of that, there's all these decisions. But when there's when there's you know a big penalty like that, which is a clear penalty, Dan Burn pulled him back. It was obviously a penalty. And the fact they didn't give it, it's just so baffling now, and I just don't understand it. It's when the commentary team. You know, they said, "Oh, the, the VAR, VAR team have taken a look at it and they see nothing wrong with it." But they're looking at the second one now, and they gave a penalty for that, which is arguably less of a penalty. It is it's just a bit tiresome? It's just a bit. It's just we're just a bit fed up with it how VAR and how yeah. rules just aren't consistent. It's
1: well. Look, look, let's just let's just let's not talk about V anymore and we'll just all come to the conclusion that Mike Dean's a wanker and then we'll move on. I mean, if we if we now move on to the real spice, of the habit, I mean, so penalties, right? I mean, Dylan, you thought obviously there was a, it was completely legal and that was a goal. Um, I don't really know how I felt about this when I looked at it back because I think if it goes in. I, I just there are there are arguments being made by other Fulham fans online at the moment saying that actually there's encroachment because obviously the Newcastle players are going into the box before he even kicks the ball I think that's a bit too petty and a bit too niggly in my opinion um, but yeah Agreed. good. but I just think the fact that <laughs> I just thought it's the most fulham thing to ever happen and I'm starting to we're now at the stage where Mitro shouldn't be taking pens anymore. I think the Evening Standard has now actually released an article saying that Silver's considering it, which basically means it's going to happen because Silva was very strong that Mitro is the man about a few months ago. But if there's now a slight hint of it, it sounds to me that he is probably going to change. And I just want your thoughts on that, Dylan, and then I'll move on to Stato with his...
2: Yeah, it is. It is very Fulhamish, isn't it? It's up there with the uh, the time we lost two one to Burnley after we scored two own goals and they didn't have a single shot on target. We've now lost a game one nil in which we scored a penalty. But um, right. yeah, I mean, it, it's, theoretically in football, any player should be able to score from twelve yards. With, with you know, even if there is a man in in the way, and the fact that he's our number nine, you know, eleven goals this season, and um, forty three last season, he's only got three from six in the league so far this season from the penalties Well I think that indicates there is time for a change and then that is that case is sort of strengthened when you look at the other players in the team you know like Pereira who's a great ball striker and has scored a pen against City um, Willian as well could take them but I think Pereira would be my choice and yeah I think Mitrovic is just you know he's had bad luck with penalties over the, in the past he obviously missed for Serbia I think it was against Scotland uh, to see them get dumped out of the Euro qualifiers and he, he's already missed a couple more this season. I think it was against Southampton he missed one against and Wolves. Uh, but yeah, so I think it is time for a change just because it seems like, you know, some games like yesterday will get no little to no chances. And then if we get presented with an opportunity like that, we have to have somebody in the team who's going to make the most of that opportunity. And so far this season, the evidence is that
1: he's not going to make the most of that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, where do you stand on this, Stato? Because it, it's so hard to be critical of Mitrovic. He's done so much for us. He's probably our favourite player, and he. We don't want to upset the beast a bit, you know. We know what it can be like if Mitro is feeling a bit upset or unloved or you know disvalued, and and I'm just starting to. But you can love Mitrovic and say you're shit at pens, mate. Let's get someone else in, right?
0: Yeah, precisely that. You know, at the end of the day, he has a fifty percent conversion rate for penalties this year, which is tragic. And we love Mitro. he's a great striker. Will go down as one of our best players ever. Could become our all-time top scorer, but penalties ain't his thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not, that's, that's not. It's not a bad thing. And what I don't want to happen is is for this to turn into something ugly and something that you know could affect the club and Mitro's confidence you know we shouldn't turn into that the facts are that he's not good at penalties he should be taken off that he needs to be mature enough to realise that that is the case and he needs to be mature enough to not, to not let that affect other areas of his game um, the club needs to accept that the fans we don't need to make a big deal out of this it's like right he's missed three pens this one was, was the worst of the bunch he shouldn't be on pens but let's just move on from this because you know a, a large part of us being so good this season is that we have this momentum and we're carrying this momentum. And I'm a bit wary that a little thing like this could trip us up a bit and could set us back. So you know, I think it's in everybody's interest to just kind of, you know, make that decision that yes, he should be pens and just move on and just you know, and just deal with it. I well,
1: think. the the argument is as well that I mean, if it didn't hit Mitrovic's left foot first. Uh, Pope was arguably going the right way and that's something that a lot of people have been saying Dylan, that uh, Mitrovic uh, doesn't have any deception like say for instance Ivan Tony, and doesn't exactly have the sort of smash it in the top corner like a Harry Kane and some would argue he also advertises a little bit too much the direction he's going to go in so for you, you would say that maybe we should give it to someone a bit more seasoned in the top flight with penalties and you would think Willian, is that right?
2: Yeah, well, William Pereira. Um, I guess you know, even, even Wilson has a, a fairly good set piece record, but the problem is with him, he's just not on the pitch due to the other's form at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think just we, it's important that we do make the most of those situations when they do arise, um, just because you know they can be the difference in games. But at the same time, to echo what Stato said, really, don't want it becoming a massive problem uh, and you know something that you know everyone's just. You know complaining about a dwelling on more rather um so yeah, I think just give give someone else a go because fifty percent isn't really a great record for being you know your primary striker or penalty taker, which is and they aren't for everyone either, so I think just change it for now and see how it goes with Pereira he's you know he's not done anything to suggest he shouldn't be taking him, he's scored with the one he's taken so far this season
1: for us, yeah and. It-
0: that there's an in, that there's an internet meme sorry J-Mac um, there's an internet meme that went around recently about um, a Twitter account that or website sorry that showed how when was the last time Bristol City got a penalty and I think it was like over a year ago and then below that it was when they got a penalty before that which again was over a year which is a remarkable record and I feel quite sorry for Bristol City yeah, fans I've there.
1: seen that it's brilliant
0: but for us it's almost a case of I don't want to say we've been equally as unlucky because we've, we've, we've got some gotten our fair share of pens in recent seasons but I'm getting it's just a bit mad that we just keep having penalty drama now season after season obviously we've got Mitro this year last year there wasn't much because you know we were scoring goals for fun the year before that in the Premier League we, there was such a mess of penalties with Cavillero with Luckman and I can't really remember the last time we had a solidly good Penalty taker. I mean, I guess there was Ollie Norwood, who was always quite reliable, and I guess before that maybe McCormack, because even then McCormack was wicked. Yeah, even then in those premier in those promotion seasons under, under Slav, I remember there was that penalty drama where Kenny took someone who couldn't score, and then at one point even Tim Ream took one. And yeah, it's I think since we haven't had a good taker since McCormack, and it's 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 a problem, I guess, but. Well, it might yeah. not be anymore.
1: It might not yeah, be anymore not be. if we get, if 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 we get if we get Willie-Ann or. Pereira, or even Bobby Reid, who's, you know, scored as many pens in his whole career as Pereira, then uh, it, it, it may be it'll be fine. I mean, I think also to it might help Mitrovic's game a bit, because he's obviously incredibly in his own head now. I remember specifically when he took the penalty against Saints, one of the defenders, can't remember the chap's name, was getting up to Mitrovic and obviously getting in his ear, trying to put him off. And I think defenders know that Mitrovic gets in his own head now when it comes to penalties. So if he if we give it to someone who has a much better record, like a Willian, in the top flight with um with goals, uh, penalties rather, then maybe Mitrovic, the pressure's off and he can just focus on his game, which is just being an absolute unit, connecting all the pieces in the final, and just being a fantastic goal scorer in through open play. And that's yeah. it. So, yeah. so hopefully that'll be fine. But let's now move on from all that. Let's go on to the sucker punch, which is the Isaac, Isaac, don't care, winner and I'd like to just know, from your point of view, straight back at you, Stato, who I can blame for this?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, you see, it's so easy just to blame one person for that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's harsh because I you know a lot of people are blaming Tosin for being quite static. I think that's quite harsh. If you look at the go back, he was just doing his job. He was in his position where he needed to be. If you're going to blame Tosin, then you can also blame Tim Ream because you know Wilson. Well, Isaac was actually in between both of them, and you know, Ream was actually looking at him as he ran on through. It's just like the ball hits Diop as he heads it in and it comes back out to Wilson and he can just hit it across. It's just so lucky and a bit, you know, just very uh, jammy from Newcastle. And, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's just annoying. I, you know, I, I can't blame anyone really. It's just one of those annoying things
1: yeah and what are your thoughts on this Dylan I've got to add something as well here actually um, th- this is now becoming a bit of a a pattern I'd say so winning goal times and those lost by a single goal so you've got Arsenal Spurs Man City Man United and Newcastle who we've lost to very you know late on Arsenal at home uh Sorry, Arsenal in the 85th minute, Spurs in the 75th minute, Man City in the 95th minute, Man United in the 93rd minute and Newcastle now in the 89th minute. Uh, Is this telling us something that we are maybe just have like a bit of uh, cojones in the last in the last few moments against like the sort of the rich six, as it were, um, Yeah, no, I don't think so, though, because if you look at those results
2: against those teams, you know... Games like that in previous Premier League campaigns, particularly the ones from the last two years, you know, we've been blown away and not even in the game at, you know, 85, 90 minutes. So to even end up at that stage is a testament to how good this team is for us and how far we've come. And yeah, I mean, I'd rather lose in that way, like the way we lost yesterday, than go and watch Fulham get blown away 5 0. So I don't really see it as. Um, you know, an alarming thing. It is, of course, heartbreaking to lose in that way when you play so well against a good side. But you know, I guess you've got to try and look at the the positive side. We've not been blown away by any in any of those games this season. You know, we kept ourselves in it. We played well, and um, some of them in difficult places to go. Um, well, who all would against, you say, you know, to,
1: going straight back at you? For, like, you were there. Just uh, who would you say from watching it live? Who suffered the most this game from only having two days rest? Would you say?
2: Um, it's difficult because, you know, there's aspects, you know, and we could have been better, I guess, all over the pitch. Um, I guess mid- midfield, really. Harrison Reid looked like he lost his legs sort of 65, 70 minutes in, and that's because he'd just, you know, done two games' worth of hard running in three days, which is, uh, you know, to be expected when you play in midfield. Um, and I guess, you know, if we'd had sort of a bit more dynamism, particularly in the second half in across the whole midfield, you know, then it might have been a different story, but it's all what ifs, really, isn't it? We can see in the 89th minute, and unfortunately, this time we haven't come away with any points. But, um, I'll i tell it's you it's what was football. a bit
0: weird. What I found a bit odd and weird was Marco's silver subs, um, bringing Tolson on for Perrault in the 60 ish or 70th something minute. I found that a bit strange because we've never really gone to a back five that early on we don't really go to a back five at all really sometimes to our detriment where we should have bought an extra sense back on but i just found that a bit of a strange change and i don't think it benefited us in any way I, I, you know as i said earlier i don't think newcastle dominated us and i don't think we were actually under pressure even towards the back end of the game so to go to a back five was a bit odd normally when reed does go off it's for you know kenny to come on and I thought this could have been quite a good game for Kenny. You know, his, his range of passing could have helped us on not quite a tricky Newcastle defence. And the fact hmm. that he didn't come on to the ninety-first minute, I found that a bit strange. And you know, bringing on Dan James when we also had Manos Solomon. Not saying that Solomon's better because we've seen much of Solomon. But you know, I feel you know this could have been you know the type of game where Solomon could just come on out of nowhere and just done something special to announce yeah. to announce his you know. I don't want to say his arrival because he's been here for six months but it basically is his arrival so I, I thought the subs were a bit puzzling for us and they that may have contributed to us kind of conceding that last minute goal because we went a bit too passive I think
1: Yeah I, t- I, think, I think that's right I mean I'm looking at the subs now and actually the times that were made it does seem a bit weird it does seem a bit weird I'd like to know actually what you thought of with this game as well Stata Um bit of, bit of scapegoating for, of, about him on social media I I mean apparently he did alright
0: I mean he, yeah he's, he's no Robinson Robinson's been fantastic this year but he didn't do much wrong I mean he wasn't at fault for the goal and if you're looking at and that at face value he was part of a defence that kept third place Newcastle at bay until the 89th minute so you know he didn't he can't have been that bad if, if you know if that's the case I, I thought he did fine Um there's a few sloppy touches here and there, but I think that came from a lack of match sharpness, but I think he's I think he's an adequate replacement to have for Robinson and, you know, yeah, he's a good squad player to have, I think.
1: And Dylan, you thought he did a bit of man-marking this game, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, he was, I think in the first half it was Almiron actually, he was quite clearly tracking rather than, you know, sort of sticking to that left-back zone and then I think Deckard over Reed might have been tracking Trippier rather than, you know, them playing... Strictly down the uh, the left hand side, um, they were just marking the men on Newcastle's right, which has obviously been a big part of the way they play this season. And I don't mind that. I didn't think he really um, he really put us in any you know da- properly dangerous situations at times. Sometimes you know his positioning might be marginally better, but he's a man who's coming off the back of an injury and has only played a couple of games in the last few months, and obviously. Another point would be Robinson has been, you know, really important this season, and if you take him out of the team, I guess to start with you'll you'll notice his absence, especially when you're replacing him with somebody who's barely played in this system under this manager. So I know, I guess I'm, when you lose, people naturally look for a scapegoat, but I, I think it's a bit harsh to direct the criticism at him.
1: Yeah, I think I think he played fine. I, I will actually be honest I and mean, look, this is a probably a rubbish opinion but i mean i i was surprised not to see more of dan james in this game i thought he i mean he arrived on for willian in the 78th minute but i think if you've got someone like kozawa and willian linking up it's it's obviously going to be quite slow and, and obviously not have the sort of impact that a robinson willian relationship would um so i was i was surprised not to see a bit more of dan james i thought he would have been quite useful for this sort of game with how intense the newcastle press and how they can be but nonetheless I mean look we'll we'll leave it there because that was obviously a disappointing loss but we're still sick and as we say a lot of their fans are saying that we actually were very good for our money when we played there and we'll move on now to actually Spurs which is next Monday and so what are your thoughts on this though I mean I think we have more chance especially after watching the North London Derby last night of beating Spurs at home than we ever could of beating Newcastle
0: yeah, it's a similar situation to the Chelsea game in that going into it, they were nothing special and I was like, right, we could get something here. But at the same time, at the back of my mind, it's the thought that they are a big six team. And, and as it's poor, Harry Kane, yeah. And this hurricane, yeah, sure. and, and as poor as they've been and as good as we are, they are still a big team. They could still beat us. And that'd be quite annoying. And there is that element of that, that yes, Spurs have been great. They got, you know, in the North London derby, that's the easiest North London derby Arsenal ever gonna play in, like they were absolutely woeful. But, you know, like you said, they've still got Kane, Son, Richardson, Kulisevsky's come back from injury. They still obviously got, you know Antonio Conte, he's no mug, he is a world class manager. He just hasn't doesn't have the players at his disposal. But, you know, this doesn't mean it's gonna be an easy game for us. But, like you said, there is a huge opportunity there for us to actually beat Spurs, you know, at their stadium. It's it's a huge it's a huge opportunity. Um,
1: It'll be at our stadium, mate. Sorry, at our
0: stadium. Sorry, I yeah, yeah. Be, uh, of course, we lost to uh, well, 3 1, wasn't it? They got the last minute yeah. goal. No, I knew, two you one, knew that. I, you two just one. worded
1: it wrong. 2 oh, 1, yeah.
0: I thought it was 3 1, they got a last minute goal, didn't they? And I got ruled out. It got it ruled, ruled out. out, out um, like, yeah. Richarlison, yes, that's the one. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, it's at our place. Um, which actually, that works in our favour. Obviously, works in our favour a lot more, but there have been quite a few memorable games of us beating Spurs at Craven Cottage you know I remember when um, Dembele before he joined them he absolutely tore them to part I think it was a 4-1 win um, when Kurelio Gomez made all those mistakes and we almost beat them a few times in the Prem recently as well if not for bloody Harry Winks scoring and
1: <laughs> oh fucking hell that Winks header yeah that was a that mistake. Winks header that was, a was a,
0: annoying um, and what I, was, I feel last time under Parker we narrowly lost to them as well um but we now have silver we now have a, we, we're now a more well-oiled team so' I'm, I'm optimistic that little annoying things like that won't happen to us again.
1: Well, it just seems also they're in a similar kind of position as Potter was when, uh, for Chelsea when we played Chelsea. I mean, they've still got Man City to play this week. Um, I've watched that game, obviously, with Northland Dummy, as I said, and they just look rubbish. And they look like a team that do not want to play five at the back anymore. And Conte will not change that. Um, I think Ryan Cessignon, much as I love him, lo- looks shot. I think um, Harry Kane looks completely. Like he was playing at left back at one point. I think this is a very, very good opportunity. And with eight days rest, I think on our day we can absolutely stuff them. Um, and I've never been that confident before. Ever. We're talking about Spurs. It's nuts. I mean, be, that, and also an opportunity for Solomon to start. Go on, Statham.
0: Well, I was going to say they've also got to play City on Thursday as well. So you know, they've, got go, they've got to go to the Etihad. Whilst we've got eight days rest, like you said, there's every opportunity here.
1: Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Dylan May? Do you think we could maybe see... Because Solomon I was hoping to maybe see against Newcastle. I mean, maybe he's slowly edging closer to that start against against Spurs. But I can't... I don't know. I can't see Bobby Reid and Willian not starting. Actually. Yeah,
2: that's... Yeah, um, it's obviously a great chance to beat them. Uh, definitely, um, it would make sense, you know, with the form we've been in and the form they're currently in. You know, be optimistic, but I am sort of weary that it is, it is still Spurs and they've still got great players... But at home, you know, we can take the game to them and hopefully cause them a few problems. And I think on our day, we can get a result. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Solomon given a chance, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, tweak what is effectively at the moment a winning formula. Um, no, you're, that's right. For you're no, right. No fault of his own. But I just think, uh, why, why fix it if it's not broke? To be honest with you. But you know, a new week, it might be, it might be a good, t- a good chance. You know, get embedded in again to the squad this week in training and then see how it goes on Monday. But I wouldn't be surprised mm. if it was William and they overread, especially with the cup coming up the weekend I after. I think I think
0: I think the only question mark about the starting eleven at the moment is Tosin or Diop. Mm. And, and that's that, something it, Silvers has been doing intentionally at the moment.
2: Yeah, that's not re- that's not like a a question. I think that's just to keep both of them happy in terms of minutes and managing the load, sort of they both seem to get more or less 90 minutes when they're on the field and then it just seems to be well, one I'm game, g- one game.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Stato, because I was going to say I thought Diop was very good against Newcastle. Very, very good. I mean, some fans have criticised him for not winning enough headers for his height. But I- I've got to say, I think Diop was, was brilliant and and Tosin not so much. Uh, and and despite that Chelsea win, looked look quite shaky at times. I feel like Diop is definitely the preferred center back for me in this game. Um I can see that probably being the case. There is rumors that Tosin might be leaving. I don't know if that's true. I mean we're looking at more center backs at the moment and everyone's freaking out that Tosin's getting sold this this January window because we've uh, we've opted for that extension to get a bit more money. I don't think that's the case, but there is there is a vibe that Diop is definitely the favorite for this game, I would say. And yeah. yeah I, I don't I think so. I
0: think They're both two very good centre-backs, but Diop is just more in form at the moment. But, you know, like I said, Tosin has been a bit wobbly. And I think we're in a position now where, you know, last year or the year before, it was a case of, right, we don't want to lose Tosin. He's a good, promising player for us. He'd be a massive loss. And now, obviously, I don't want to lose him. I think he should stay. I think if he stays with us, the long-term benefits will be worth it especially if him and Diop could form a good partnership not not to replace Ream but you know we is 35 years old as good as he is and long may it continue we don't know how long it's going to last for but if he was to leave now I don't think it'd be as big of an issue as it would have been a couple of seasons ago
1: exactly well look I'm going to move on just to the last section before we wrap this up lads um, and you know this pod is obviously we're talking about European football um, in, a, in in our pod description and obviously it's called The Six says and you know I just want to know Marco Silva right is being very coy at the moment about his ambitions for Europe in my opinion he's saying no we're taking every game at a time uh, you know Mitrovic I remember specifically last season saying he wanted to fight for European football with Fulham when we get promoted and I'm just starting to think Dylan do you think there's any possibility that Silva is actually thinking about a Conference League spot or a Europa League spot? Because I don't, I don't want to sound naive here, and I don't want other fans to think, God, they're really ahead of themselves. But at the moment, there is like a three-way race happening between Brighton, Brentford, and us for Europe. And obviously, Liverpool and Chelsea will improve; they could probably take us over. But I just want to know how realistic you think out of the three of us, one of us actually making one or two of those European spots in whichever. Competition is, like the likelihood is.
2: Yeah, I I don't think it's too unreasonable. I'm not saying it'd be us sort of make Europe, but I don't see why one of us, Brighton or Brentford, could get one of those spots. I think Brighton in particular look really good. Um, I do think Chelsea and Liverpool will improve in the second half of the season, which I guess is to be expected. You know, Chelsea will throw money at their problems until they're fixed, and Liverpool, although they're going for a bad patch at the moment, they surely can't stay in this sort of, you know, I've watched a bit of their game on um, Saturday it was ab- you know, an abject performance they surely can't be that bad for the rest of the season and both of them will pick up points and sort of, you know, turn over a new page in the next couple of months I'm sure but yeah, uh, I think there is a chance that one of us three teams could get a European spot and you know, we've made it to the halfway point of the season and we're, we're in sixth place which is really good going and it would be silly to sort of you know take our foot off the gas in the, in the coming months and just sort of slide into mid-table um, yeah so we'll see what happens but I don't want to say anything too soon
0: I think I think there's two things here the first is that because of the World Cup we have only just got to the halfway point of the season which considering where we are we're mid-January normally we're just over halfway and you know if, it it does feel a bit weird that it's only the halfway point now it, you know it feels like you know it feels like we're past that point but we're not it's, it's now so there's still plenty of games to be played and the second thing is that you know in England you do only get seven European spots you do you can get more but that is contingent on teams already in Europe winning a European Cup but not being in a top seven spot so if West Ham win the Conference League this year there'll be eight teams in England because West Ham aren't finishing seventh so there's yeah, seven spots, and you know normally recent years come by. It's been a big six, and nine times out of ten, the big six finish in the top six, which leaves you know a seventh spot you know to go to a West Ham or Leicester or Wolves. Occasionally, a team may be good enough to go beat one of the top six, but that means you know you know West Ham can finish above Spurs, and the billion Spurs finish seventh, and they get that. What's changed now is that is the Newcastle factor in that they are this new team on the block in a few years time they're going to be a big team as well they've got all the money in the world they've got the infrastructure the big six will become the big seven but we're in this fortunate position where we're catching a lot of teams in a transition period you know Chelsea they're awful but they are in a transition period and they might get better whether they get better this season remains to be seen they might do they might not and Liverpool they think they're in a bit of a transition period but we're catching these teams at the right time Spurs as well so we got this opportunity here to actually do something. It's, what it's I think it's it's what we did when we came seventh under Roy. We came above Spurs because Spurs were a bit of a mess at the time. And you know we're, we're catching teams at this right time in this period of their history where they are in that transition period and we're capitalising on it. And we have this big opportunity here to actually do something. And the fact that we're already on, we're already on 31 points on 20 games... Yeah, you know, I think it's fantastic form and if we can maintain that then yes we're going to finish sixth. I think the big question is can we maintain that? And how how can we keep this momentum going? Because you've seen it you've seen it before so many times where you know, again Leicester with a big example, where they've been fourth for for ages. I'm not saying we're gonna come fourth, but they've been fourth in the Champions League and then I think back to back seasons they just ran out of steam towards yeah. the end. And it's just whether we'll do the same as well. And it could happen, and it wouldn't be heartbreaking if it did. But it would be a bit of a shame if it did, because we've got we've got such a good opportunity here to do something.
1: Mm. It'll be very interesting to see what happens for the January transfer market for us. Very interesting. For sure, because it, it's a it's a it's a very good opportunity, as Marcus Silva said in his press conference recently, that to, to make some ambitious signings, especially for you know a player to see Fulham at sixth, uh, you can attract some some good quality there for depth, and 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 you know some competition for a starting place I think it'll be very interesting and I'm still looking down even though I know we're going to be fine but you know when we get to 40 points it'll be very interesting to see how this team starts performing it might even accelerate you know us to push on even further with what we can do I don't know
0: this is where it goes back to my point earlier about um, how it normally takes two or three seasons for us to to get to this point rather than the half season we've done now and it's good, but at the same time, is that a case of the club will not quite prepared for us to be in this position and therefore we're not going to get that additional January war chest that we would need to push on? Is it a case of, like, right, we are above target, so we don't need to do anything because we're above target, we're meeting target? Does that ambition come a few seasons later? Are, you know, are we not in that position to do that yet?
1: Mm, I know. I th- I think probably... I can imagine that the Cedric Suarez thing will happen. I think we'll be looking at just short-term loans to, for like, to, for good, you know, high-quality depth. And then I think, like you say, the next season we'll start with safety. We'll we'll start adding a lot more, can splashing cash into it. Um, Dylan, any final thoughts on on what we've just been saying? Uh, no, I, I think
2: I'm just excited for the second half of the season, really, to see where it takes us can't say for sure yeah. it'll be as good as uh, the first half but you never know if we can do it one time why can't we do it again
1: well it's weird i mean Fulham always have a better second half season usually every year uh, and <laughs> if that's the case yeah, we, we've never had a first half of <laughs> a
2: season like this though have we so that's the thing know. so i mean you never you know what, can't wait to the see, see what happens i mean we're still going to go most weeks aren't we so that's not going to change um yeah we'll uh, <laughs> see what happens
1: I, i'm excited well, with that, I think that's a perfect time to end the pod. I'll get—I was going to look at, you know, who we think is getting relegated, but this—this uh, this is a—this is a. Despite a recent defeat, we should just keep enjoying being SIF and pretend we're looking up. You know, what I mean, it is so good. Really it are. is
0: so good, by the way, just to look at the bottom of that Premier League table. We see those teams scraping around, and to yeah. just not be part of that—it is—it—it's such a good feeling, isn't it? Like we're in the Definitely. Premier League and we're not having to worry about that. We're just enjoying ourselves. It's like that. It's I like just, that uh, bit. Of,
2: it's like that bit in Top Gear where um, they just crossed the river and Jeremy Clarkson goes, that could have been us. But it isn't.
0: It isn't. It isn't.
1: <laughs> all right, guys, thank you very much for joining me. Really good to hear from you. And we'll be back. We'll be back next week with a reaction after Spurs. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. Please subscribe to all the outlets that we play this on. And thank you very much to Don Love for editing, as always. Many thanks. Fulham.